I think that's why we love hero stories. Hero stories call us up to something higher than we experience every day. Call us up to a grand adventure requiring of us courage and forthrightness and faithfulness. You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that thou... So a few months ago, uh, a movie was released that broke all previous box office records uh, making more than 250 million dollars in its first weekend of release. Does anyone know what it was? No? The Avengers movie, Avengers Endgame. Fastest grossing film in history, followed closely by uh, Star Wars Episode 7, I believe, which made $350 million in its first week, but didn't put in the $250 million as quickly as the other. We love hero stories. Um, and it doesn't really matter whether your heroes wear spandex or whether they um, like to wield lightsabers or have army helmets or like my father's favorite hero had a 10-gallon hat because he liked John Wayne. It doesn't matter who your hero is. We love hero movies and hero stories. And I think I understand why. Chris Evans, who is the actor who played Captain America in the series of movies that just concluded, was asked about the character he played on screen and he said, well, he's the kind of guy who always does the right thing no matter what it costs him. He's the kind of guy I wish I was. And I think that's why we love hero stories. Hero stories call us up to something higher than we experience every day, call us up to a grand adventure requiring of us courage and forthrightness and faithfulness. And, and this roll call of heroes you just heard in the book of Hebrews, um, and that's, that's uh, I want to be clear with you, Hebrews is a, um, is a sermon from the first century. You got to hear one chapter out of 13. Aren't you glad I don't preach that long? <laughs> so, so this roll call of heroes that's in there, these are the, what we would call the Old Testament heroes because at the time this sermon was written, the New Testament hadn't yet been collected. So this was the scriptures of the early Christians and they knew these stories the way your average 14-year-old boy can tell you about Iron Man today. They knew every single one of them. As he went through the roll call from Abel to Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph and on to Moses and straight on through, every one of the details of their stories would have sprung to their mind. And they would have felt their courage rising and felt inspired by the names as they heard them called off. And you can see we've got a few of them around us. Our theme for Vacation Bible School this year was Superheroes of the Bible. Um, we were able to cover just a couple of them. Um, 
but if we had to distill a couple of lessons from their lives, and I would encourage you, if these were just names to you and you don't know the details of the story, you could use your little insert today as your summer reading list. You can go back and keyword search all those names and find out the stories of these great heroes of the faith because they are inspiring, because they were real-life people who went through all this stuff. But if you had to distill a couple of lessons they all had in common... Here's at least a few that the author holds up for us today. The first is this, that when God calls you, He's going to forgive your sins. He's going to wash you white as snow, but here's the, here's the reality. He is not calling you to a life of comfort. He's calling you to a life of holiness. God Himself is holy, as no human being is. So if He's calling you into His adventure, His task, He's calling you to become more like He is. And so you're going to face adversity. The, the world is not happy with God. The powers of the world are not happy with God's holiness. And so they're not going to be happy with you when you start engaging in it. When you start answering God's call. Adversity is going to be the first thing you're going to experience if you want to be holy. And secondly, if you're going to be faithful to the call of God offered to you, you're going to re- it's going to require sacrifice of you. There is no faithfulness without sacrifice. Sacrifice of your time, sacrifice of the things you'd rather be doing with yourself. Gideon, for instance, had to give up, had to sacrifice the good opinion of his family. Abraham had to sacrifice the idols that his father had made and worshipped in order to answer the call of God. Esther had to sacrifice safety as she entered the king's presence without permission, which could have meant instant death. Sacrifice is always required if we're going to be faithful to the call of God in our lives. So if the wages of getting called by God is adversity and sacrifice, why does anyone want to be a hero? (laughs) But we all do. We all respond to these stories. And I think we all know why. There's been some time in your life where you've experienced adversity and needed to sacrifice in order to accomplish something. Maybe you worked a dead-end job because it paid the bills. Maybe it was staying up night after night after night after night after night with a colicky baby to raise them up. Maybe it was uh, one of your older children needed more of your time than you could give so you sacrificed something professionally or maybe you sacrificed free time to accomplish something professionally. But whatever you sacrificed in order to overcome the adversity in your way, you did it because you believed there was something higher than what you were currently experiencing that was possible, made possible by your sacrifice in the face of adversity. And every one of these heroes experienced this to do something amazing for God. And they did it to see God's promises fulfilled. And this is what the author of this passage of Hebrews lifts up from us for us, is that they never saw it fulfilled. Because by the time Jesus came along, 400 years after the last Old Testament prophet Malachi, 
all of the hopes of the Jews that had been in the promises of God all through the Old Testament had merged into one master hope and that was that the Messiah would come and set things right. To this day, when our brothers and sisters in the Jewish faith open the Passover ceremony, they light the festival candles to light the way for the coming of the Messiah. For us, who live on the other side of the coming of that Messiah, in the person of Jesus Christ, who have heard the stories of His life and His death and His risen, rising from the grave... How much more should we be willing to be courageous in the face of adversity and faithful in our sacrifices because we know who He is. We know everything about Him in a way that those Old Testament heroes of the faith could never do. Listen to these words from the way our passage from Hebrews ends. It encourages us to let, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, what is the joy that was set before Jesus? It wasn't eternal life. Because we already have from the gospel reading, before Abraham was, I am. Eternal life is what Jesus gave up. It's what He sacrificed for the sake of saving us. Now the joy that was set before Jesus was the fulfillment of God's kingdom, the bringing home of God's rebellious and errant children. The possibility that they could be restored to communion with God. Jesus sought union with us. That's the joy that was set before Him. And now our response, our response of faith is to seek union with Him. To take advantage of what He has offered to us so amazingly in His life, death, and resurrection. And this is why we're, the passage ends by saying, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Because you see, it is no bad deal to live for a God who's been willing to die for you. That is a God worth serving with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And we are told that this great cloud of witnesses, these heroes of the faith that the book of Hebrews has listed off for us, they are surrounding us and encouraging us onward. First of all, they're encouraging us because they're role models, right? I mean, I'll just speak for me. I want to be like Jesus, but since he was God and man, I don't feel up to the task most days. <laughs> But the only thing separating me from David or Joshua or Gideon, not to mention John, Peter, James, Paul, is my lack of being willing to be as surrendered to God as they were, as available to His purposes as they were. So they're, they, they're around us as role models. And that Old Testament role calls you just heard wasn't, isn't full. Because when this sermon was written, 
the adventures of the early church were just coming together. So Peter and John and James aren't in the list, let alone those who came after the New Testament was written, like the martyrs like Perpetua and Felicity or Brother Lawrence. All of these amazing people, right up through those like Martin Luther, who for the sake of what Jesus had done for him, felt called to risk everything for the sake of seeing Jesus glorified and proclaimed aright. They're in this list too. And that's the other thing that this passage holds up for us. Is in addition to them being role models for us, there's something else too. It's a little less obvious to us because we don't live right where the Olympic Games were going down, which is what would have, where this group would have lived. But have, you, have you, any of you ever been to a track and field meet? You've seen the race, right? Do you know that that, that 400 meter thing that you run around is called, and the building it's planted in is called a stadium because a stadia is the length, the distance around in Roman culture? He's talking about them running a race. And the picture that would immediately come to mind if you were hearing this passage originally was people running a race in a circle. And the great cloud of witnesses are those who have already run the race. And they are in the stands around the racers cheering them on. And if you're a football fan, if your team's on defense, who's the 12th man? The crowd. If you've ever been at a, at a game where things were teetering in the balance, the crowd can make all the difference as to how the defense performs and the tide of momentum in the game. And this great cloud of witnesses is surrounding us and cheering us on. Their prayers are forever around the throne of God, empowering us just like the prayers we pray for each other. And here's the thing, they want us to do better than they did in the race. It would be their greatest joy to see us exceed them in holiness and faithfulness. And I, I learned a lesson in this recently from, um, from a woman in our congregation, young lady in our congregation. I've never been a record holder in anything. I was abysmally mediocre at every sport I ever did. But this young lady uh, holds the record at a nearby high school for most, most points scored in her high school career. She's second in the school history and first among all women. And the night she surpassed the old record as she's being handed the game ball on a night no one expected her to actually make it that far. Like She had like 30 points to go and she, she managed it. As she's being handed the game ball she receives a phone call and it's the previous record owner calling to congratulate her and the next day flowers came to her house from that record holder this year a friend of her family the young, a young lady in that family is poised to possibly surpass her and she's already got that young lady's phone number on speed dial so when she hears the news she can hit the button because she said, records are made to be broken. And I want to be able to pass on what was passed on to me. That is the joy that that great cloud of witnesses will have when we exceed them. Will you join me now for a word of prayer? Gracious God, 
We give you thanks and praise for the many, many gifts you give us. But this gift especially today, that we are united with all those who call you Lord. And that we are sustained by their prayers and that we are surrounded by their encouragement and their example. Lord, we confess that we have often been lukewarm and perhaps not what we should be in our following of you. Help us, Lord, to lift our eyes to you, the founder and perfecter of our faith, as that great cloud has done. Help us keep our eyes focused on you so that we can make the sacrifices required in the face of adversity, have great courage, and live, live lives of holiness, lives which bless those around us and give glory to you. And all these things we pray in the precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Amen. My vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night, waking or sleeping, thy presence, my life.